Let's open our Bibles, please, today to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. The Polish pianist Paderewski. Paderewski said one time, when I don't practice one day, I know it. When I don't practice two days, my friends know it. And when I don't practice three days, everybody knows it. And I thought, how applicable is that to our Bible reading? You know, we miss a day and we know it. And uh, we miss two days and our wives know it. And then if we miss uh, more days, everybody begins to know it. Uh, that's why we're trying to get everybody to journey with us this year through the Bible. I'd like to talk to you today about following the light. And we want to begin reading... In verse 12, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. If you like to underline things in your Bible, that's what to underline right there. Uh, they departed another way. Uh, whenever they met the Lord, there's no way that you can leave the same way that you came. Uh, this is why we stress in our church a relationship with Christ. Uh, just, not a, just not a relationship with the church or your Christian friends, but one-on-one uh, -on -one with Jesus. Uh, you can go away a different way, and they did. Verse 13, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. You know, there are actually two Christmas stories, one in Luke and one in Matthew. One has to do with a manger, the other has to do with a house. One has to do with a baby, the other has to do with a young child. And so here Jesus is, uh, is said to be a young child. Uh, the wise men came to the house. That's the second part of the story. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Now the Bible that I have has, has that particular statement in italics. And what that means is this is an Old Testament quotation. And so uh, in my Bible, all the Old Testament quotations are italicized. And so here we find a fulfillment of biblical prophecy right here. This trip down to Egypt was prophesied many years before this. God was just carrying it out. Verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceeding angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Now here's another Old Testament quotation. In my Bible, it's italicized again. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because uh, they are no more. Again, the writer, Matthew, tells us that this event which took place in Bethlehem, the destruction of these little children, uh, caused great mourning, and it was prophesied many, many years before. 
verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child. Uh, arise and take this young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. Uh, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, this is one of Herod's sons. Herod had died. This was his son. Instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. He said, I'm not going to that district uh, like uh, father, like son, like son, like father. And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. He shall be called a Nazarene. Again, here we have another prophecy that's being fulfilled at the same time. You know, last week I talked to you about the rest of the story. Luke chapter 2 is the first of the story. That's when the angels appeared to the shepherds out in the field. Matthew 2 is the rest of the story, but seldom does anyone tell you the rest of the rest of the story. And so today we want to go to the end of the chapter. That's the rest of the rest of the story, okay? Uh, everybody worships somebody or something. The wise men here worship Jesus. They knew he was. They followed the star. And it had something to do with Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Remember the Bible says, a star shall appear and a scepter shall rule in Judah. They followed the star to Bethlehem. They were not deterred. It was a long, long journey filled with danger and obstacles, but they pressed on and they were rewarded. Uh, one of our favorite verses in the New Testament is Hebrews 11.6. Are you familiar with that? Do we have that back there, Vic? Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, when you seek the Lord, God rewards you for it. And the rewards are gigantic. Gigantic. They really are. This light, these people from the east followed the light, and the light leads to Jesus. And whenever the light leads a person to Jesus, it always leads that person, when they find Jesus, to worship him. You know, along the way, no doubt, many people are asking, hey, where are you going? Where's your destination? And their retort was, we're seeking the king of the Jews. And uh, I hope that this is our motto for 2012. What are you doing in 2012? Well, I'm seeking the king of the Jews. That's what I'm going to do this year. I'm seeking God. And whenever we do that, God does tremendous things in our life. Nothing can take the place of seeking God. Uh, you know, religion can't take the place of that. No amount of good deeds can take the place of that. Only whenever we seek the Lord and we come to him, we begin to worship him, great things begin to happen in our life. And here we find an example of that in the Bible. These wise men came from the east, and first of all, they gave themselves to the Lord. Go back in verse number 11, please. And when they had come into the house, remember, here's the rest of the story. They saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. 
Whenever you, whenever you worship something, you're giving yourself to that object or to that proposition, you know. You and I look around the world today and we say, and even in our friends, and we say, boy, this person worships that and this person worships that. What you worship is what you give your time to. It's what you give your energy to. It's what you give your devotion to. That's what you worship. And so these people came and they said, listen, it's been a long time seeking you and we're giving our time to you. We're giving our devotion to you. And so that's worship. They first of all gave themselves. It's interesting here that they didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship Mary. Joseph wasn't even here. And uh, commentators believe that the reason why he was is lest these wise men think that he was the father. And he wasn't. Um, well, what they were doing is transferring their love and commitment to that which they previously loved and were committed to, to serve Christ. Uh, we have a man in our church, and years ago he, he came to Christ, and he said, you know, before I came to Christ, I gave my all, all my energy to the devil and his work. And he said, now I'm changing it all. I'm going to give all my energy and more to Christ, and he did exactly that. That's conversion. And so that's what happened to these people. They came... They met the Savior, and I'll tell you what, they were changed. Kneeling at the feet of Jesus is the beginning of the Christian life. It really is. But it is the continuation of the Christian life. So many times people think, well, you know, if my name is written in heaven and I've signed the church roll, then everything is okay. Well, if that's as far as a person goes, it's a tragedy, really. It really is. Well, they gave themselves first to Christ, and then they gave what they had been given back to him. These gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, uh, the precious gifts were presented to Mary and Joseph at this point because Jesus was too young. But they used it for him. And so it is today in the same way. When we give to Jesus today, we don't give to him directly. We give to him indirectly. And uh, when we give indirectly, we pray to God that the people that we give it to will use it wisely. One of my favorite verses uh, relative to this is Matthew 25, 40. Let's, uh, let's read that today together. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so whenever we give to the church whenever we give to missions as we're doing right now in our Christmas offering Jesus said listen if you've done it to the people in the Philippines you've done it to me if you've done it uh, to the people in Mexico you've done it to me it's like directly taking our gifts and giving it to Christ and uh, we pray to God that the people there will use it uh, in the right manner but we're only giving to the Lord what he's already given to us Deuteronomy 8.18 is, uh, is a reminder of this. Let's read it. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. God has given you and me the power to get wealth. Everything we have, God has given us the power to do that. To get up in the morning to go to work, to think through the problems, to deal with all the issues. Listen, that's all of God. We can't do that without him. And so what that means is every single thing we have from God 
has been given as all the things that we have have been given by God. And so when we give back to him, we're just giving to him what he's already given to us. We're just returning to him in that way. There are so many verses like that in the Bible. Deuteronomy 16, 17 is another one. All must give as they are able according to the blessings given to them by the Lord. You know, I learned to give many years ago from my mother. She would always take the family tithe and she'd take it to church and she never missed. Uh, probably up until the time she died, she made me turn in her tithe to the church. And you know, uh, back... And you know, I've told you like 16,000 times how long she lived, and I won't do that because you guys got that stamped in your brain. But as long as she lived, she'd always say, Johnny, make sure you give my tithe to the church. And you know, whenever, whenever, it, was the end of, whenever it was the end of her life, you know, she only got a small, so you people that work in, in the health care and the elderly know, know how this all works. The, the, the nursing home takes the money and gives the about $35 to the person, that's what's left. That's to buy toothpaste and things of that nature. And, uh, but every Christmas she would say, now John, I have a little extra in there. You make it out for the church for the Christmas offering. And she did that as far as I know to the day she died. She did that as far as I know. She wanted to be a part of the team. And, and you know, I hope I have the same conviction. I think I will. I'll drive my boy Danny crazy. I've already done that, but I mean, even more so. You know, Joanne and I have been giving the tithe to the Lord for over 50 years. 50 years. We've never, as far as I know, under God, ever missed. Uh, that's our conviction. That's just, that's God's historical standard. And I'll tell you what, I have experienced, and I know you hear it, and it's almost like a Christian cliche. You can't outgive what? God, you just can't do it. And, and a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'll try it out for like a week and a half. You know, it's like, holy cow, give me a break, you know. I'll tell you, it's phenomenal because we are investing in eternity. You know that? Yeah, we could spend that on all kind of crazy things. But I'll tell you, when we give it to God, he knows how to do it. And boy, it's, so, it's going to be so exciting when we get to heaven and see all these people in these foreign lands, right? And say, hey, listen, I just want to thank you for doing that Christmas offering. You know, seeking Jesus really pays. Psalm 119, verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. You know, whenever we, we seek the Lord, it, he blesses us. And the blessings of the Lord cannot be purchased with, uh, with money. Uh, they are much more important than that. Uh, they went home another way. It was a long journey, but the reward was great. They set an example for us to follow today. Uh, they didn't let anything get in their way, and I hope this year you don't let anything get in your way. And I know there's all sorts of obstacles to your Christian growth, and, and people look around and say, hey, listen, this person discourages me spiritually. Listen, don't think two minutes about that, please. That's got nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. This religious leader discourages me. Listen, don't think two minutes about that. This is all about you and Jesus. That's all. It's, it's all about you and Jesus. And so don't let anybody get between you and your growth in God. Uh, worship manifests itself to an obedience, living by faith. 
Worship is manifested in obedience. You can't separate obedience from worship. It's interesting, and I went through this passage of scripture uh, and I saw how many times an angel appeared to Joseph and told him to do something. And you know, every time he did, Joseph did exactly what he was asked to do. Joseph received a dream uh, and he says, listen, I want you to take little Jesus down to Egypt. Now this would be, uh, this is not a, a, very, f uh, a very far distance. Uh, Egypt was a Roman province, but outside of Herod's jurisdiction. And so it would be safe. And I was reading that Philo, you may have heard that name. Philo was a character who lived down in Alexandria, Egypt, uh, between 20 BC and 50 AD. He wrote and he said there were a million Jewish people down in Egypt. And so when the angel told uh, Joseph to take Mary and Jesus down to Egypt, there was a whole community there of Jewish people that would envelop them. John MacArthur in his study Bible said that he didn't believe that, he, that they stayed down there very long, maybe, maybe as little as just a few weeks. But their complete obedience was impressive. Look at verse 14. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. I'll tell you, when God spoke, he moved. And you know, that's the joy of living the Christian life. You know that? When you're sold out. When you're sold out to the Lord. Lord said it, I'm going to figure out how to do this thing. And you know, usually, usually when you try to figure it out, God gives you the strength to do it. Uh, these verses, these Old Testament passages were just fulfilled. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him as a son, and I called my son out of Egypt. Uh, I was reading... Um, uh, I recently read this book. I like these Indiana Jones books, you know. The next clue, get the, I, I like that stuff. And uh, this book uh, caught my attention. The title of it was The Sign and Seal, Quest for the Lost Ark of the Covenant by Graham Hancock. It's a big book, about 500 pages. It took me a while to get through it. But he believes the Ark of the Covenant is uh, today in Axum, Ethiopia. And I was reading through the book, and some of it is true, and some of it is fiction, and, and, uh, but I was taken back when he, uh, when he began to describe the miracles of the Bible. And he said, well, we know that the miracles of the Bible are, uh, are, are, is trickery that uh, Moses learned back in Egypt from the Egyptian magi magicians. And, uh, and so it was carried down, and Jesus was also learned that magic, and his miracles, too, were magic. And, uh, and so if John MacArthur is right and he only stayed down there a few weeks as a baby, I, I guess he couldn't have learned too much down there in Egypt. But it's amazing how people explain away the miracles of God in the Bible. It just kind of shocked me that somebody would do that. Well, because most all of my reading has been biblical and, and uh, Christian authors and things like that. I forget what the world's all about out there. And now you're going to go out and read that book now, aren't you? You know, Herod is in the process of taking the lives of the baby in Bethlehem. And uh, Jeremiah 31, 15 is fulfilled. And one dream after another, God is speaking to Joseph. Uh, and uh, they headed back to Israel. And certainly that was a relief because in the heart of every Jew is the nation of Israel. That's, that's, it's like they're like a homing pigeon, you know. When you, when you release them, they can get released. That's where they go. That's their home. And when they go there, they feel really good about it. And so they were going back to Israel. 
and, and Joseph said, listen, we can't go to this place because this man is so evil. Uh, he'll harm us just like his father did. And so what happened is God led them back to his place. And his place was Nazareth. Uh, and that would be the, the next hometown. It was, was actually the hometown of Joseph. And, you know, this was a pretty bold move for them to go back to Nazareth uh, because there were still suspicions there surrounding the birth of Jesus, if you remember. But uh, Joseph lifted up his head and took his family back there. And, uh, and Jesus is now going to be raised in Nazareth. And the people of Nazareth were always characterized in a negative way. You know, I sometimes say, and I don't know if it's exactly right to say, that it was across the tracks. Nazareth was across the tracks. John 1.46, remember, Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Uh, you study about Nazareth, and I'll tell you what, it was, a, it was notorious. It was a bad place. And, but, you know, that's just the way Jesus would be, don't you think? Jesus would go to the worst spot and minister to the people most neglected and uh, to show that his grace knows no boundaries. You know, it's easy to minister to people who love you. Uh, it's hard to minister to those who don't and who are not, the unlovable. And those, Isaiah 53, 3 says, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not see him. And so here's Jesus. He's, he's going to be raised in Nazareth, and that was not a popular place. You know, when Jesus humbled himself, he came all the way down. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't lie in a hotel room in Jerusalem. He went to Nazareth. Uh, and, and the reason why, I'm sure is found in Hebrews 4, 15, and 16. Let's read this together, okay? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Now let's stop right there. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus humbled himself tremendously so that whenever you and I come to him, he can say to you, listen, I know, I understand. I've been there. I've lived across the tracks. I chose that. I wanted to feel that. I wanted to feel the rejection. Because in, the, in this world, there is a lot of rejection, isn't there? There's a lot of disappointments. There's a lot of heartbreaks. Even our teenagers and our kids growing up in school are, go through those things tremendously. But what we do is we teach them this, the next verse. Look at it. Let's read it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So whenever we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I got this gigantic problem. And Jesus said, yeah, I know all about it. I've been there. I, I had that feeling. People treated me like that. You know, that's comforting. You know that? That's comforting. Nobody can really know what you're going through unless they've walked in your shoes. Can I have an amen? You know, so many times I've caught myself, somebody's having a bad time, and I, and I kind of like say, oh, I understand. And then I said, I don't understand that. I, I want to be understanding, but I don't understand it. You can't understand it unless you walk where they walk. And so when Jesus came down into this world, he said, listen, I'm going to walk where the people walk. I'm going to walk where they walk.
So that whenever they pray to me, uh, they'll know for sure that I understand exactly their weaknesses because I experienced those things. Well, you know, in comparing the, the visit of the wise men to the earlier visit of the shepherds, Jesus came first of all to the Jew, and then the Gentiles, we believe, were the wise men that came from the East. Jesus came to the humble and the ignorant first, then the honorable and the learned. Jesus came to the poor first and then to the rich. He didn't leave anybody out. Nobody is left out. Nobody. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Uh, I want to encourage you in this new year, follow the light, okay? Jesus will never lead you in the wrong direction. Boy, you know, that makes me want to jump on the bandwagon. Holy cow. Jesus will never lead you in the wrong direction. And so that's why I'm being so boisterous and dogmatic about you uh, getting into the Bible this year and making this your favorite book uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, this book will take you through the dark times because the Bible says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And so we live in a dark world, don't we? And the way to get through it is to hold the book out and say, Lord, here I come again. Give me some life for this day. This is soul food, food for the soul. Don't starve yourself. Build yourself up in God. With this I close. Years ago, I heard a story that, that is a true story uh, from somebody that grew up in our church, um, a girl. She was raised in a home, and it was not the epitome of a Christian home. And she was often afraid, afraid. And, but she fell in love with the Bible. She fell in love with it. It got her through. And she said, on many nights when I was afraid, I would open the Bible and I would put it on my chest and I would sleep with the Bible on my chest. I'll tell you what, this is how close I want you to get to the Bible. Okay? You might say, well, you know, I'm not much of a reader. You know, I think God could change that. If you just ask him, Lord, help me. Help me to be better at it. Because this is the light. And that girl today is an incredible person. A beautiful mother, an awesome Christian. But she fell in love with this. And it got her through. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path in a dark place. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed uh, today, uh, this is the first, first Sunday. And you know, it is always good and, uh, to say, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And we all have to do that from time to time. Uh, but I want to ask you today, if you've never come to Christ and, f and you've never fallen down before him and worshipped him, You've worshipped a lot of other things in your life, but you've never truly worshipped him. I want to invite you to come to him today. And just in your own heart there, make your heart an altar. And just call out on God. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart today. Change your life. 
And then if you're a Christian and you know you haven't been too committed lately and you just kind of like throw your Bible in the back in the back window of the car and forget it for a while, I'd like to ask you to to get serious about this thing of of the Word of God, because you know your commitment to the Bible will determine oftentimes the commitment of your kids and the commitment of people around you. You can spread the joy of the Word of God, but you got to have it first in order to spread it. And so, why don't you speak to the Lord about that this morning? Dear Lord, we can't thank you today for this day which you've given to us. Lord, help us in this new year to have this motto. I'm seeking Jesus this year. I'm, I'm looking for him everywhere. Uh, and uh, I'm going to make Matthew 6.33 my verse. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Dear Lord, we pray now that as we have our invitation song that you'll bless us together. In Jesus' name, amen.